Hello, and welcome to Fleet News Group's podcast. I'm Caroline Falls, and today I'm speaking with Jack Cotlier, head of Energy Australia's Next Gen, a business unit devoted to helping fleet customers reach their zero emission goals, among other things. Welcome, Jack. Thanks, Caroline. Uh, firstly, let's talk about NextGen, when it was created as a unit of Energy Australia and what it is focused on, um, particularly how it can help fleets, as I said in the introduction, on their emission reduction journeys. Sure, thanks. So NextGen started up seven years ago and has been going strong and really is the incubator for Energy Australia. And so the way I like to de describe it is we peer over the fence line, uh, have a look at what we think may be scaling in the future uh, and do all those uh, test and learn experiments uh, and the pivots required to get a product or a service to scale. So one good example, a recent example is Solar Home Bundle in New South Wales, which is a solar and battery product for residential customers. Uh, it's no upfront cost. Uh, with the customer being with us for seven years. So that came out of NextGen with a couple of years of incubation and now has gone to scale. Uh, I think from an e-mobility perspective, it's not a question of if, but when, when it goes to scale. And we, we've already seen both residential customers and business customers and large business customers starting to get interested in e-mobility, starting to buy electric vehicles. And then, of course, thinking about um, how they get those electrons, whether they're um, coal-fired, gas-fired, renewable electrons into their, into their vehicles. And so from an EA perspective and from a next-gen perspective, we are focusing on that electrification and decarbonisation journey for those customers looking to buy electric vehicles. Um, talking about e-mobility, uh... I noticed that you've got some things called strategic partnerships. One I know of is uh, with the Australian founded and now global group, Sea Electric Trucks. And another one I saw announced recently was with uh, European electric bus manufacturer, Ibusco. So can you tell us about those and like if you've got other partnerships in the e-mobility sector and um, also like, what is the value of a strategic partnership to NextGen? Yeah, great, great question. Lots of questions there to, to unpack. So um, key, three key strategic partnerships we currently have is, uh, like you said, with Ibusco, which is a bus manufacturer, with Nexport, which uh, also uh, manufactures electric buses and other vehicles. Uh, in, in New South Wales, uh, as well as Sea Electric, uh, which, as you mentioned, is a truck manufacturer. Uh, both uh, locally and abroad. One of the critical insights uh, that NextGen and myself have had over the last 12 to 24 months as we've um, learned the industry, uh, particularly the mobility industry, is um, vehicle manufacturers who are selling into the market, whilst it's the really sexy part of um, electrifying your fleet is as an operator is going out and testing out these vehicles and learning how electric vehicles drive compared to a petrol vehicle and a, or a diesel vehicle. But then the, the eventual question is how, um, how am I gonna charge these vehicles? What are the energy infrastructure requirements? And because these vehicles need a lot of electricity, um, 
network upgrades are most likely required, whether it's a new transformer or a new switch gear and the cabling required could even require a substation upgrade. And quite often, customers are stopping with their purchase of those vehicles until they actually know how to do the energy infrastructure. And so the reason we started to create these um, partnerships, alliances, working closely with companies like Sea Electric, Enibusco and Export, and there's, and there's more to come, is we wanna help their customers, because it's, it's their customers who are gonna be buying those vehicles, get them comfortable with the electrification journey. So we wanna understand how many vehicles, what's the current state of the, of the network, what kind of charges do they need, it also gets coupled with solar and with battery and with a virtual power plant. Um, there's also the maintenance requir uh, requirements required on that energy infrastructure. And we've even got some customers starting to look at public charging. If you're gonna put a whole lot of charges in a certain area for your own fleet, you can always open up a potential revenue stream by also allowing some of those charges to be available to the public. Because you and I, we've got electric vehicles and perhaps we want to um, charge up there as well. So these um, partnerships are allowing us to offer the end customer that one-stop shop. And I think when, we, when you can provide an end customer who wants to buy the vehicles and need the energy infrastructure upgraded a one-stop shop, uh, they become more comfortable and they get more of a holistic service versus going to a number of different parties to put their requirements together. And so that's why we've been pursuing both the vehicle manufacturers, but we'll also um, have some partnerships coming up with charging infrastructure players as well. So again, how do we get the right charger and um, put it together for their customers? And we'll also have some partnerships with some engineering first firms, because similarly, these end customers go to engineering firms and say, how do we put the electrical infrastructure together? How does it all cost? They can do the engineering, but not so much the installation, the maintenance, the monitoring, which is where if we can partner up with them, we can offer a holistic service to the end customer. So that's the theory behind and the practice behind and we're, and we're finding those end customers um, really resonating to them where they can deal with one party to do everything for them. Yeah, it's a very uh, complex uh... Uh, work that you've got there. So I imagine that NextGen is um, expanding. And um, I just wondered, like, how did you find yourself at NextGen? Tell me a little bit about yeah. yourself. Sure. So I am a uh, energy nerd. I'm energy for life straight out of uni. Um, <laughs> I went to PowerCore City Power, which is one of the distribution companies. I'm, I'm a um, accountant by trade. I'm in the finance industry working with lots and lots of engineers. I'm a pretend engineer, as they call me. But yeah, my background is accounting. I was at PowerCoin City Power, which is one of the distribution networks in Victoria. Then um, I did a further five years with Alinta, which increased my scope from electricity to gas as well. Um, then I went to another part of the value chain. I was the head of strategy for Siemens. And so I guess I was selling into the industry. Um, and so Siemens gave me a lot of experience around, again, electricity and energy and strategy. And then for almost the last seven years, I'm coming up on seven years, I've been with Energy Australia. And so it was my first um, exposure to being uh, with a retailer along with um, all their power stations that they've got. And so, yes, uh, Caroline, I've, I'm an 
energy nerd, it's awfully exciting the change that both the world and Australia and Energy Australia is going through as, as we transition from a high carbon environment to a low carbon in environment. And it excites me to be part of that industry. Um, I think from a mobility perspective, um, these two industries are going to be inextricably linked. Um, we can't decarbonise uh, without the mobility industry and the mobility industry can't decarbonise without the energy um, industry. We now, we now know how to create lots and lots of green electrons and that's the fuel for those future electric vehicles, whether it's passenger cars, um, utes, commercial vehicles, motorbikes, buses, trucks. And so I think in a couple of years time, we'll be almost one of the same. Um, and so that's, that's an exciting future for energy and it's a, a, a just as much exciting future for mobility as well. Now, oh, thanks for talking about that because I was going to sort of say, you know, let's do a 101 on um, why is an electricity generator like Energy Australia in the transport yeah. sector, but I think you've pretty much covered that. Is there anything else that you want to say? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, EA, uh, and this is publicly noted, is uh, planning to close uh, the Yulon power station by 2028. There's a number of other power stations that have been announced to be closed over the next 10 years. I think um, soon um, energy will be the second uh, biggest emitter in the industry, oh, sorry, in Australia, and transport's likely to be number one. So as we close down our coal-fired and gas-fired power station, replace them with um, renewable sources like solar, like wind, like pumped hydro, um, and complement it with storage, with large-scale storage, uh, transport becomes the biggest emitter. And so I think Energy Australia and our energy industry, more importantly, um, has got the responsibility to deliver um, reliable, affordable, sustainable electrons. And that future fuel source in transport will be those, um, those sources of electricity. And so that's why I think Energy Australia and a lot of our competitors are now entering this space because it's our responsibility because we create those electrons. Hmm. Um, so one of the first things a fleet that is wanting to start the transition to low emissions vehicles is supposed to do, as it turns out, is not go looking for the perfect EV, but talk to their electricity provider. Um, can you talk to that point, why it's an important first step? Yes. So, so here's, here's my thinking, Caroline. I think the, as an electricity, um, I've got an electric vehicle and the best um, and funnest bit was to go and drive the, the different electric cars and get used to them. And they actually drive, or firstly they drive obviously different to a petrol car, but even the electricity, uh, the different electric uh, brands out there, they drive differently as well. And that's the exciting bit, that's the fun bit. Um, where what we did notice um, as we got into um, speaking with bus and truck um, operators is whilst they did that as well, um, the, the critical bit was how soon after that do they speak to the engineers and the energy company to understand the infrastructure they need uh, to efficiently and effectively fill up their vehicles. And uh, there is some complexity in making that happen because you have to understand 
Um, I, I guess you have to understand the system holistically, and that's where I think a, where a company like um, Energy Australia can help. From the grid connection to the types of charges you need to the installation of the charges, I suspect a majority of the time there'll be an opportunity for solar and batteries as well uh, to not only create renewable energy, to store the renewable energy and to keep the electricity costs down. And uh, as I said uh, previously, the public charging opportunity to create better revenue streams for our customers to pay off the investments they need to do. Uh, and so that's in part, as we discussed about the, the, the teaming up with other parts of the value chain, particularly the sellers of the vehicles, to hopefully deliver the solution for the end customer. Um, so, I, so, so recapping, I think it's a fun bit to go try out, drive an electric bus, drive an electric truck, understand how, how it's different, and then to ask those critical questions, what is the infrastructure requirements? Because they are now going to change compared to having a diesel tanker underground or a petrol tanker underground or going to your local servo to, to fill up your vehicle. So um, how does somebody from a small business uh, fleet like know about you or find their way to the right person in your organisation to, to help them? Yes, so good question. So I think there is, like we discussed, some complexity that an electric charger brings to the equation. But I think it's no different to the complexity that solar brought, you know, 10, 15 odd years ago. And batteries, stationary batteries that, that you hang up in your wall brought, you know, probably five to seven odd years ago. And so chargers are just another electrical appliance. I think from an Energy Australia uh, perspective and all the other uh, peers that are in the industry, they're out there um, if you search. Um, it's certainly not as prevalent as, for instance, solar installers. Um, we've got a dedicated email address, greentransport at energyaustralia.com.au. So people are emailing us every day asking, can I do this? Can I do that? What do you think the costs would be? We, we have our engineers who go out to site and understand the site requirements. Um, and so I think it's an industry that will continue to grow no different to solar 20 years ago, batteries five to seven years ago, and now chargers. Um, you know, the charging infrastructure players, I was just chatting one just before this, this chat started in 2015. So, you know, electric cars and electric charging stations started up about seven odd years ago and I think it's now really starting to accelerate and catch the attention of um, users. We'll be back after a short break for a word from our sponsor, Sopico Services. Sofico is a world-leading provider of enterprise software for the automotive leasing, finance, and mobility industry. For more than 30 years, international leasing companies and OEMs count on Sofico's expertise and technology to help them transform innovative product concepts into streamlined business processes and engaging customer experiences. With more than 370 experts, eight offices on four continents, and an annual growth averaging 15%. 
Sofico is perfectly positioned to help its customers succeed in a rapidly changing market where electrification, shared fleets, and multimodal mobility challenge us and our customers to play a pioneering role. Continuous investment in people, innovation, and leading-edge technology is the basis for continued growth and success. A lot of organizations have or are getting sustainability goals in place and some organizations are setting some really big goals for their fleets like to be 100% EV or carbon neutral by 2030. Now electricity is not my strong suit, I'm no energy nerd that's for sure and um, I definitely don't want to trigger concern unnecessarily but if everything else works out and fleets do accelerate their adoption of EV, will generators like your organisation have enough power to distribute for all these new uses? And, and because it's really a bit of a yes or a no question, can you talk about some of the concerns uh, real and perceived? Yes. So. I think from an energy industry perspective, and it's not just Energy Australia, but from an energy industry perspective, the industry has always been there to deliver that reliable, affordable energy. And sometimes um, prices have gone up for different reasons, and it's what's happening right now, and sometimes prices go down for different reasons. But no different to the um, air conditioning wave that we started to happen, happen in the 60s and 70s with the, the proliferation and saturation of air conditioners was a huge increase on demand in the system. And then you think in the last sort of 10 to 15 years, data centers are huge consumers of energy. And you think about manufacturing, if somebody's setting up a new manufacturing plant or potentially a uh, mine, they've always been new demands on energy and electricity and vehicles are just another another appliance that will need electrons so i've got a lot of confidence that um, the energy industry will respond to any extra demand that um, customers will need uh, the other yes. thing yeah. uh, did, did you want to say more because i'm ready for my next question um no, I think I, I think yeah. Just I've got a lot of confidence in delivering the extra electrons. I think what we now also need to just to make the point from a Energy Australia perspective, we have a carbon neutral target by 2050. No different to Australia. Other other you know perhaps companies have got something um, um, earlier, like you mentioned 2030. And so I think the energy job, the industry energy industry job, is now to um, move away from um, high CO2 emissions electrons to much lower CO2 electron emissions to zero emissions from renewable sources. And in the same way that I think we have one of the highest proliferation of solar in the world, uh, not the Southern Hemisphere, in the world, I think Hawaii maybe have a higher proliferation of solar rooftop than we do. We have a lot of wind in this country. We're building pumped hydro. There's a Queensland project that EA is in, uh, underpinning, uh, the Kitston uh, pumped hydro project um, in Queensland. We've got development rights that we're working on the Mount Lyle pumped hydro project. We've got snowy hydro being built. So the industry is transitioning from high carbon to low carbon. Um, and that's the industry's job, the energy industry's job, not only to get you the electrons, 
but now to be producing those electrons from more renewable sources. I was uh, curious actually about how much of your um, uh, generation source is, is green, like uh, wind, solar, hydro, and um, compared with uh, coal and gas, and what you're planning for that to look like, what, how the mix yes. is changing. So uh, at the moment, about 20% comes from renewable, from Energy Australia's renewable sources. We have um, uh, publicly announced that by 2028, so only five short years away, um, Yulon Power Station will be closed. Um, it will be in part replaced with one of the biggest batteries. Um, I'm sure by the time we build it, it won't be the biggest, but when we announced it, it was one of the biggest batteries in Victoria, the, the Waroon battery. Um, we have, like we discussed, um, the pumped hydro projects in Queensland that we're underpinning. We've got the Mount Lyle um, pumped hydro project that Arena recently um, awarded some monies to help us develop that particular project to do the feasibility study. And so by 2050, we have the target to be net zero, uh, no different to, to all of our competitors and, and peers in the industry. And everyone is committed on that path of going from those high carbon sources like uh, brown coal to um, renewable um, and um, storage uh, facilities. Um, I just wanted to sort of turn to get some of your thoughts on how to think about charging these uh, EVs. So, you know, of course, I understand we're really just in very early stages of EV adoption. Um, I think, you know, a, a widely used figure at the moment is that some three and a half percent of recent new passenger vehicle sales are EV buses are increasingly joining fleets. There's a few trucks being mingled in. But learning that recharging an EV is really different in many ways to filling up a vehicle with fuel at the bowser. So, for example, I'm curious about how everyone might think the tritium fast charges, the platinum model, but it's horses for courses, isn't it? Um, in fact, like a simple, slow AC home charger might be a better option in many cases. Can you talk about those sort of scenarios and how to think some of these issues through? Yes, so I think the horses for courses is a really good way to frame the discussion, whether you've got an electric vehicle or whether you're thinking about the buses and the trucks. And so something from an Energy Australia perspective and an engineering perspective, we want to understand from the customer, how are they going to use their vehicle? So I got an electric vehicle about six months ago because I wanted to be a guinea pig on myself and a guinea pig with my family of how we're going to use the electric car, what's the range anxiety, how are we going to charge it? Are we going to charge it when the solar is actually working? So I've got solar and battery at my house as well. So am I going to charge it when the sun is actually out? And so I'm actually learning from myself uh, for electric vehicles. Uh, from a charging perspective, just an electric car that, that I've got at home, um, we started out charging just from the wall because at the end of the day, that is a, uh, a fuel source, a, a petrol bowser. It's really slow charging, about two, two kilowatts per hour. I think we average between 1.7 and two kilowatts per hour. And when you think about a uh, battery in a Tesla, it could be 60 kilowatt hours. That's about 30 hours of charging. Um, but critically, we only do about two to 300 kilometers a week um, in our electric 
vehicle. Uh, that's no different to the average. The Australian average, if you look at the ABS stats, is about 12,500 to 13,000 kilometres a year. And so we charge up our vehicles um, over the weekend when prices are lower. And perhaps if we get lucky and it's sunny, the energy is free. And so instead of spending, I don't know, 60 or 70 bucks a week on a um, on petrol, we're, we're probably spending five to ten odd dollars, depending if it's coming from the solar or from the grid. Um, if we want to upgrade to a, a, a wall box, um, we have a couple of options of whether it's seven kilowatts, 11 kilowatts or 22 kilowatts per hour. And that's obviously a much quicker charge. It's in the hours, um, sort of three to seven hours. But then you move to the buses and trucks example. And you know we've got opportunities out there where we can charge up a bus or a truck within two hours with a uh, something called the pentagraph, 600 kilowatts per hour. Um, so a bit like how our trams run over uh, it's a gantry system and it comes over from the top or you can get some very big DC charges um, I think um, the biggest one I've seen in Australia is 350 kilowatts per hour and so that would take um, three four hours potentially to charge up the bus and but the critical thing is understanding from the operator how they use their vehicles so I'll give you an example with a bus if it's a mass transit public bus they're probably out between seven and seven um, every day, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and you charge it overnight. Whereas if you're a school bus, you've got an early morning run and you've got an afternoon run, and you can bring that bus back to base, hopefully use your solar to fill it up with electrons for the afternoon run. What it means is you can probably have a smaller charger, which has got a lower cost, because you can charge during the day and during the night. Whereas if you need to charge only at night and you need to make sure your buses have got a full tank of electrons ready to leave at six or seven o'clock in the morning, you may get a bigger charger, which is more expensive, but that's the requirements you've got for, for the service that you provide to the public. Um, so I think, again, horses for courses is really important. Uh, just bringing back to electric vehicles quickly, um, the horses for courses, you can go to a petrol station nowadays that have got electric chargers and get a, um, a charge up to 80% in about 15 odd minutes versus the 30 hours it'll take you at home. You'll get charged more for it, of course, because you'll pay for that convenience. But we're now getting to the technology in 2022 that it can take you 15 minutes to charge up your electric vehicle. Now, that's not as good as the servo now um, to do petrol, which, which will take five to seven minutes. But I suspect, Caroline, when we have a chat in 2023, 24, 25, that 15 minutes will reduce because the technology is only just starting. And so that's really exciting uh, to talk to end customers about what's the right technology solution for them. Or the service station just has to add a cafe in. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and so I think quick, quick, quick service shops like <clears throat> McDonald's and Rooster and KFC, we're seeing that similarly as well. And those petrol stations that have got, you know, coffee joints, like you mentioned. Um, but I think that 15 minutes will reduce over time. So it'll, it'll get close to what's happening now with petrol. Well, talking about the future, uh, and for my sort of last question before we say goodbye, I was just curious, like, what's next for next gen? What does 2023 hold in store for you? So from a green transport perspective, I think it's going to be really exciting with installations. Um, we want to keep on being curious and keep on learning. 
to understand how customers are evolving their thinking and what are their requirements. And we'll learn from those installations, you know, we'll, we'll monitor all the data and feed that back to customers and find the right solutions. Um, as we chatted, NextGen is not only focused on green transport, but it'll also be focused on home electrification. If we are as a country going to get to 2050, electrons is a big part of that answers because we know how to make electrons green. Um, and so NextGen for EA and its customers, whether it's from a transport perspective or whether it's from a premises perspective, office, manufacturing facility, a home, we are focused on electrifying and decarbonising. Um, and that's, that's really exciting. It is very exciting times. Thank you for your time today, Jack. And thank you for yours, Caroline. Look forward to the next chat. You've been listening to Fleet News Group Podcast. It was edited and produced by Isabella Fiorentino. Thank you again to our sponsor, Sofico Services. It's great to have you on board. The original theme music for this podcast was created by Isabella Fiorentino. You can follow us on Spotify. Just search for Fleet News Group. We're also on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Our website is fleetnewsgroup.com where you can get all of our stories, videos and podcasts. Until next time, drive safely and take care.